Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer, and this is episode 14 now of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Glad you're here, however you got here, through iTunes, through the Albuquerque Journal's website, abqjournal.com, through SoundCloud. Don't care how you got here, just glad you're a part of the show. Glad we're still doing the show, and today we're back to Lobo Hoops. Uh, that is my primary job. I'm the Lobo basketball writer and college hoops writer for the Albuquerque Journal. Today, have a lengthy conversation with Jerome Robinson, assistant coach for the Lobo basketball team. He's kind of the one coach that uh, maybe fans don't know as well. Uh, obviously, they know a head coach. They know Paul Weir. They Chris Harriman, the associate head coach, has been here several years now. People have gotten to know him through the years. And Brandon Mason, who played at New Mexico State, had uh, been a video coordinator under Steve Alford, also worked under Craig Neal first season, also coached youth basketball around town. Brandon, a lot of people know. So Jerome Robinson's the one guy that I really don't know that fans know as well as the others, and, and hopefully this does something to uh, to change that because he's a fascinating guy, has a great basketball pedigree, family, and story, and and uh, kind of shared a lot of that with me today. I told him, <laughs> I sat down with him a while back now when we recorded this conversation, and uh, told him at the very beginning, hey, this will be about 20 or 30 minutes, and we ended up recording for an hour and four minutes, I think, was the total length of the conversation. So Paul Weir even stuck his head in the office a couple times that you could hear during this podcast and said, what are you guys doing? It's taking forever. And uh, it did. It took a long time, but he has a great story to tell, and and I appreciate he, him doing that, talking a little bit about playing on Team Canada and um, rooming with Steve Nash. And, and Steve Nash is the, the work ethic of Steve Nash is something he's never seen before or since. Playing against a guy who in 2001 from Argentina uh, named Manu Ginobili, who at that point had not played in the NBA. Obviously, this week Manu Ginobili retired. Long before that happened, uh, Jerome Robinson was given the defensive assignment on him one game, and it did not go well. Jerome hadn't heard of him. He's heard of him now, and he's a fan of his now. So he talks about that. Pretty cool little story. Talks about playing professionally overseas, starting his career as a, a sports agent. Then getting into coaching, coaching at Eastern Michigan, St. Bonaventure, and then making finally getting his way to UNM after initially about two years ago, two, three years ago now, almost taking a job here when Craig Neal was the coach, decided that wasn't a good fit, uh, not a good time, not a good fit. Ended up coming here when another Canadian basketball coach, Paul Weir, got the job, and uh, here he is now entering season two as a Lobo basketball coach. I think some of the most fascinating stuff he talks about Today, other than his his upbringing in Toronto and his Jamaican roots, um, his family is from Jamaica. And other than that, I think some of the best stuff I heard in this conversation, and, and it was credit to Jerome for opening up like this, but he talked about how hard the end of last season was um, as an assistant coach for the Lobos. He had the, uh, the scout for all three teams the Lobos played in the Mountain West Tournament, and he's not a man who cries, he says. But the night they lost to San Diego State in the Mountain West Tournament Championship game, he did shed a tear. This offseason, he's watched that game film plenty. At some point, he'll have to turn the page. Don't know that he has yet, but he, he will, and he needs to, and he knows that expectations are sky high this year. So talk a little bit about last season, a lot about this upcoming season, and a whole lot more about the life of Jerome Robinson that kind of got him to where he is today. So appreciate Jerome taking so much time to, to share his story with us. Hope you enjoy it here on the 14th episode of the Talking Grammar podcast, a conversation I had with Lobo basketball assistant coach Jerome Robinson. You know, what was this summer like, kind of year two, your first full summer, I guess, with this program to, to go out and recruit? Was there a different vibe for Lobo basketball this summer for you? It was. It was um, 
it was a little more established. You know, we kind of had a, a clear vision of what and who we wanted to go after. You know, I feel like last year was just everything was so rushed. A lot of guys leaving, trying to fill roster spots. Um, this time we had a lot more time to kind of, you know, zero in on guys that we liked. Um, and just more of a game plan of, of you know, what we're going to look at moving forward. How more, how much more comfortable were, were, were you, not necessarily with the game plan and all that, but just knowing what Lobo basketball is and knowing what you're selling? Um, a year ago, you're selling newness and you're selling, right, you know, right. you just started working with Paul yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But this year, you, you had a year of uh, under your belt of, of knowing the, the entire product that you're selling. Right. How much different was that for you? No, it, it's, it's so beneficial when you kind of know the style of play that, that yeah. you know, you play. Now you get to know or get to zero in on guys that fit that style, knowing what Paul wants, you know, the kind of kids he wants. Because even, you know, you come in and he can tell you what kind of guys he wants. Sure. But, you know, when you, until you're working with him and for him day in and day out, you're unable to really know exactly the type of character or type of style. Of it would seem you had kind of have some examples to fall back on now, too. You know what Joe Firstinger did in, yes. in that role, and you know that maybe a different type of player might excel in that role. But you know from just being a part of it yourself what, you know, what Anthony Mathis can do in this role. Right. And if you're recruiting a, a shooter, you can kind of say, like, look what this guy did. Definitely. You know, the, you know the, kind of the... I want to say the do's and don'ts yeah. of, of players that you want to bring in and guys you don't want to bring in. And, you know, we, we run a we run a unique style of play and, we're, you know, we're pressing. And now we're looking at guys that fit that, like longer guys, athletic guys that, you know, can get more deflections because, you know, Paul's big on deflections and, you know, turnovers and turnovers created. Yeah. Um, so now we're looking at just guys that fit that mold more than more than anything. I guess since you brought it up, uh, and, and I want to kind of get away from Lobo basketball and talk a little bit more about kind of what got you to Lobo basketball. But since you just mentioned deflections, what did you think when the the first time he said, "Let's you know what, let's let's base that starting lineup on the deflections"? It was it was unusual at first, but yeah. a lot of coaches that I worked for or played under. Deflections have always been a huge, huge, uh, you know, topic and, sure. and point of any team that I've been on. You know what I mean? It, it hasn't been so emphasized where, okay, you know, this is going to be the starters, but it's always been a big deal of how many deflections, uh, you know, we can get as a team. It's always been one of the number one. Well, I would players. say, I mean, at some point, emphasizing it kind of falls on deaf ears with players because coaches emphasize a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and to really hammer home that you that okay, this one we really mean. Right. You have to do something, and, and the starting lineup thing, it's it's pretty extreme, but it, it got the job done. It sounds like it did. It got did, the message and across. It definitely got the message across, and guys went in, and it was good. Guys went in knowing or thinking. How can I figure out ways to get deflection? And Paul kind of, he broadened it a little bit where he started adding, okay, a charge is a deflection yeah. too, a yeah. defensive stop is a deflection too, just to kind of help some of the guys that maybe the Chris McNeils that were struggling yeah. for deflections, their arms were shorter or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay, now you can get a defensive stop. Now you can get a charge, and that will save you from, well, you know. Some stats certainly lend themselves to people to certain players getting exactly. better than those. I mean, block right. shots, stuff like that. Right, like exactly. Taller, long arm. Um, all right, so stepping back a little bit, you're you're from Canada. Yes, sir. Um, 
so uh, like maybe this is just sort of a generic uh, kind of catch-all, but are you from Toronto or are you from somewhere else in Canada? No, I was born in the city. So yeah. I was born downtown Toronto. Okay, that's so, it. I, so I was... A lot of people say they're from Toronto and they're really not from Toronto. And they, you know, oh, you're from Toronto? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from such and such. Know, you know, it's kind of like Phoenix. Like, what, you for, oh, you're from Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, Glendale. Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. Yeah, I went to school in, you know, Illinois and... Oh, you from Chicago? Okay. Oh, what, what part of Chicago? Oh, Naperville. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so stuff like that. Um, so I was reading something on you, and I see um, Jane and Finch. Jane and Finch, yes. What is Jane and Finch? Jane and Finch. It's a it's a pretty rough area right now. It's in North York. So I was born downtown Toronto, St. Joseph's Hospital, and then now we moved from downtown to. They call it the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. Okay. So it's right out, you know, right outside the city. Um, born in Toronto, though, to born, be clear. Born in Toronto, to be clear. Still a GTA, still considered Toronto. Is it? Okay. Yeah, Greater Toronto Area. How, how old are you, by the way? 39. You're 39, okay. 39. Um, it was a rough area. Was, That's what know, I read. Yeah, like, you know, like was pretty a, bad, right? Yeah, it was a rough area. It was fun growing up, but it was... You know, when you're a kid, you don't really see all of that. It's just, it's home to you. No, that's what you know. But that, when, you're, when that's all you know, you have nothing you to know. compare it to. Yeah. That's, and pa- that's actually, normal. Paul went to school right down the street from where I grew up, York University. That was one did of you guys know each other at all in, in Canada? Like, when did you, when did you and Paul? Well, yeah, I knew of Paul. Yeah, I know, Paul. We didn't know. We had a lot of mutual friends. Okay. We had a lot of mutual friends, but I didn't really start getting to know him. Until we were in America. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's funny. Um, did you know of him as a basketball player? Yeah, because he played with one of my, he played with, uh, with one of my buddies. Okay. One of my best friends. I uh, was actually an NBA agent. Um, moved from Toronto to Phoenix now, but he, uh, who's it? Mike George. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they, they played, uh, they played together. So Mike, Mike's known Paul okay. for a long time. So you guys knew each other's name for sure. Um, probably didn't really get to know each other till, till here coaching in the States, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, but about that growing up though, you were obviously one of the best players in the Toronto area in the GTA. Yeah. Um, I think I saw t- like top five, you're on some magazine cover or yeah, something. Yeah, and, yeah, top five. I'm uh, telling you, I'm reading up on you now. Yeah, top five and, uh, shoot, Toronto Star and the Toronto Sun, those are the two main yeah. newspapers. And then that was another top five, uh, five deal. Um, I don't remember what that one was for that you're referring to, but I remember the magazine cover. Um, maybe it was a poster or magazine cover. Yeah, album. no, yeah. It was, it was, shoot, it was, who was on it? Jamal, um, yeah, there was some, well, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask. How good was Toronto basketball at that time? Can, it, basketball in Canada is on the rise still, yeah. but how good overall was, was Toronto basketball? It was, I, in my opinion, it was really good. Um, some of the guys I've played against or played with were high level players. There was a kid, um, one of my guys, Mike Schmidt, yeah. he he's recruited by every school you could name. He was he was a guy that I went at or went we we went at each other yeah. on a on a daily basis. But I mean, he had Syracuse, you name it, he had it, and he ended up going to Texas A and M. Um, had a great freshman year. Uh, he was a little you know head case, you know, yeah, yeah you know, he, it was hard to coach him, but on the court, he was he was an NBA player. He was about six seven, lefty athletic could shoot shoot the blood out the basketball yeah. man and there was just a lot of guys like that just a lot of athleticism um was a lot of it raw kind it of it was really opinion? a lot of it was raw um 
just due to how late we started. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of grassroots. Wasn't four or five year olds starting know, basketball. Exactly. Like you know, hockey was hockey was a grassroots yeah. stuff. Did you play hockey? I played. Oh, I played a lot of street hockey. Yeah. Never organized hockey, but a ton of street hockey. You a hockey fan? Yeah. Who's your uh, team? Is it? I mean, it's, it's do I pass? Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's the Maple Leafs, but um. Hockey is just the the thing when you when you're growing up. Yeah. You know, I know Paul's a huge hockey fan. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of a bandwagon now yeah. Toronto hockey fan. But um, that was a sport, and then we started. Yeah. You know, we Switch played a lot of soccer. Um, a lot of it's a lot of island, a lot of islands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Trinidad, Guyana, Jamaica. Yeah. Um, very multicultural and diverse. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of soccer influence. Um, so if it wasn't hockey, it was really soccer, and yeah. then basketball kind of just came on you later. Played soccer too? I did. Yeah. Were you any good at uh, soccer? I was hockey? a really good defender. Yeah. I was a really good defender. like in basketball, right? I mean, yeah, you're uh, a good defender in basketball. I was a really good defender. Um, fast and yeah. just you know didn't fall for a lot of fall for a lot of stuff. So I was able to stay in front of a lot. That's of the guys. Anno- like when you're a kid, the guy that's good at defense is the annoying one in the group. Cause like yeah. everyone just wants to play offense. Right. You're the one that everyone hated probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of smothering guys and just, <laughs> yeah. just bothering them to yeah. get their shots off. So what's, what's your background? What's your, uh, your, your parent, were, both parents were they around growing up or? Yeah. Okay. What, what's, where, where are they from? Both parents are Jamaican. Okay. Um, I have two siblings that are Jamaican. Okay. Um, and then, uh, the rest are all born in. So I've, but five siblings. You're one of six then? One or of, One of six. Okay. Two of them were born in Jamaica. The two oldest ones were born in Jamaica, and the rest were born in Toronto. Why from Jamaica to Toronto? Was there a specific reason that Toronto was where they, they went? Yeah, it was all about sponsorship. So you can't, you can't just move out of Jamaica. Right. You know, it's not like America where you could just kind of move anywhere you want, or Canada where you can just move anywhere you want. Jamaica, you got to be sponsored. Okay. Um, even You got to be sponsored even just to visit. Okay. America. Um, so a lot around that time, you know, my mom was one of 13. Oh, wow. And her older siblings got sponsored to England. England okay. was big. They had a big, um, it was almost like an, I'm not going to say treaty, but it was something with some sort British, of agreement kind of agreement because, you know, sure. Britain ruled Jamaica for a while. They had, yeah. they had their, their mutual, uh, agreement to come over. Um, so it was easy to get their, their green card or their, their citizenship. Yeah. They made it a little, the path the much path easier. easier. America was a little more difficult for my mom. Okay. But the second set of siblings got sponsored to America. So a lot of them went to Miami and New York. My mom and her youngest sister, they're the two youngest. Yeah. Their cousins came to Toronto first and they were close with their cousin. So their cousins sponsored them. Okay. So it was like, Three different groups. Was there, was there a big Jamaican community in Toronto? Huge. Yeah. Okay. Huge. Okay. Yeah. Just like in New York. Yeah. Um, New York City. Uh, there's a huge Jamaican population in Toronto. It was, it was a lot easier to get their citizenship. Have you been to Jamaica? I used to live, I lived there for like two years, two okay. and a half years. What ages? Like how old were um, you? So I was waiting for my dad to get his, uh, his, uh, citizenship. So we went back. So I was newborn till about two and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So before you could remember, probably yeah. But, but I but we'd go back sure. all the time. Okay. Yeah, I brought the kids back there. Still have uncles there, still yeah. have cousins there. How much uh, Jamaica is still in your, I guess, day to day life? I mean, is there is there anything in the house or or food or anything like that that you would say like that's the Jamaican bloodline in me? Yeah, you know, 
I love my plantain chips. We have yeah. plantains in the house. We do plantains. I mean, a lot of the dishes. I have my jerk seasoning. Yeah. I go to that world market and get my jerk seasoning. And, um, you know, even just kind of the, the style of cooking. Because my dad was a chef for 13 years in Jamaica. Oh, okay. So even just kind of calling him on the phone and just getting little ideas. So, you know. You ever bring that food in here? Not really, no. That maybe for lunch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, not I, but never, the other guys, like, the other coaches aren't going to be able to tell me how good your cooking is? No. No. But the kids, I guess, have yeah. barbecue. So, the kids, so, so some yeah. of the players have come Yeah, the players, the players have come over and they right. had barbecue. So. They come back a second time? Some yeah. of them? All yeah. right. Yeah, I've had them over a few times. Now, so. if they didn't come back, that would have, <laughs> yeah. that would have been telling. They but. came, they, you know, the last time they were there was about two weeks ago. Yeah. And they went back for seconds. So All right, good. Hopefully that's, that's a good thing. That's the the easiest test when it comes to food is definitely are they getting are they going back for more? Um, all right, so back to the basketball part. What what gets a kid from Toronto um, who's being recruited? Um, yeah. What lands a kid in Toronto at Bradley? What made you decide Bradley was the place for you? I went on my visit to Bradley and uh, got in a scrimmage. You know, it was open run with the with the players, and I, my coach at the time, Jim Molinaire, he was coaching the USA, I want to say university team. Yeah, had Earl Boykins and all those okay. guys on the team. They were practicing before, and it was like a cool atmosphere watching them practice. You know, the US team practicing. You know, the coach that I'm potentially going to be, you know, playing for is coaching the US university team. So, um. After they finished practice, we had open runs, yeah. and I did, you know, I did well the first two, three games. I mean, I was, so I was like, I could play. Yeah, this is, you know, I could, I could play here, and I ended up, uh, you know, committing uh, right away. Right away. Okay. Yeah. Well, at the end of my visit, I want to say, I ended up committing. Yeah. But you were uh, on the visit commitment kind yeah, of. Yeah, I thought it was going to be an easy. Yeah. Oh, I could score. I could do here. I'm going to come in and start it. That wasn't the case. Yeah, how was your freshman year? Rough. Yeah. Really rough. A reality check. And how much of that is is sort of what we mentioned, you know, a little bit earlier about some some talent in Toronto. Yeah. But you're you're probably not. It was it was night and day in terms of the preparation and what we went through from our coaches and what our coaches put us through versus. Yeah. What they did in America. So it wasn't about athleticism and stuff like it, that. It wasn't it about. Was, it was just a lot of mental and just a work ethic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Our coaches weren't yelling and getting after it and getting after you at the time. It was, you know what I mean? It was yeah. laid back coaching. A lot of them were were kind of new to the game themselves and just kind of learning as they went along. So when I got to Bradley and the demands and the and the, and the yelling and the and the the drills and the nonstop and the hours. Yeah. I mean, it was, I've never been, been through. I had one coach, Dave Smart, who coaches at Carleton University. Okay. Um, he's, he's won, you know, multiple championships over. He's the one that, the, you know, the Division One schools go to play and he, he, he always, they don't want someone to go back to play him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, a, and he's, a, he's, uh, the head assistant coach for the national team as well. Okay. So he was my Ontario coach. And he was the only one that acted like an American in terms division, of preparation, in, in pre- preparation and how he got after it and how, you know, he demanded so much from you. But I would think that's what they were doing with hockey in, in Toronto. Like probably. They probably put that much time and effort exactly. in hockey. Exactly. Um, it just, it wasn't the sport. It and wasn't he, the sport. Exactly. It was the sport for a lot of people. Um, and that's why those Canadian players 
dominate the NHL because yeah. of what they've, you know, their gra- their grassroots upbringing. What it was totally different, but yeah. now it's 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 changing. It is. It's changing. I've been to practices and it's it's changed a lot. Um, at what point of your Bradley career did you get your uh, your nickname? And what was the nickname that that Danny told me about last year? I did the podcast with Danny Granger. And uh, he told me fly, <laughs> fly boy, fly boy. Yeah, he told me about fly boy. Fly. Um, well, I, I had a, I actually had that like my senior year of high school. Okay, so that was pre Bradley. Yeah, right. that was pre Bradley. I guess I just assumed it was Bradley, but you had it since. Yeah, I but it it disappeared like my first two years of Bradley. It, it <laughs> I was, guess it, that happens when you're only open gym. Yeah, <laughs> the legs were gone. Yeah, you have to. Honestly, it's like you have to get your legs stronger because the demands are so high yeah. that you. Your legs are just fatigued. It has to almost like your legs and your muscles have to learn and and to be able to function at that that level and that rate. And by the time they catch up through the weight weight room and just growing and, yeah. and getting stronger, then your natural ability starts to come back. So when was that? Was it junior? Year? Yeah, sophomore junior, year? junior junior year. It started okay. I'm starting to feel like high school again. Yeah. Okay. You know, finally I'm starting. You know, my legs were getting stronger. My body was getting stronger. Um, my athleticism, you know, kind of found its way back and it's like, okay, I feel good now. I'm not, you know, it was almost like my body was in shock. Yeah. You know, it was always tired. It was all, you know what I mean? And it's like, I had to get stronger. The, so you were always a defender. Um, you're always good at defense. Is that, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You still have it up. I still have it. The the, the Valley. The Missouri Valley. Defensive yeah. player of the year, um, senior year? Was that senior year? Or? Senior year, yes. Okay. Um, by the end of your career, Bradley, how, like how good a player were you? Were you obviously defensive player of the year, but were you fringe NBA? I want to say so. Yeah. I wasn't a great ball handler, Okay. but I was really good with one or two to three dribble, yeah. and I could, I could really shoot the basketball, and um, I felt like I could guard a lot of different positions. Um, so I had, you know, I had several NBA workouts yeah. with the Raptors. Um, you know, I thought I was going to get a, get a shot at it. Um, you know, played summer league with the national team. That was when you were able to. Yeah. I'm, I got some national league questions about you yeah. uh, that I'm going to ask you here in a second. And you, so, and you made a career overseas, right? I, mean, I did. I did. How long did you play I, pro? Um, about six and a half years. Six um, and a half years. At the highest level overseas. What, what was that? I guess comparable to in terms of college basketball here for, for American basketball fans that don't yeah. ever really respect maybe sometimes the, the, how good it can be overseas. Yeah. Um, the high level there is better than it's big time basketball, college basketball here, right? Yeah. The highest level I played at pro a France. Yeah. And that it, it's, it's a really, really good level of basketball, yeah. really good level of basketball. I mean, uh, Batum, Played there, you know. Tony Parker started there. Okay. Um, his brother played a little while there. Um, there's a, just a ton of guys that that went through the pro A yeah. pro A division. Um, I would definitely compare it to pro A as to a BCS type of type of level. Okay, you and then know, the higher it's not Euro- Spain or it's not Italy, but it's you know it's it's right there. Okay, it's right um, there. And then you, like you mentioned, on the national team. Um, I guess you were almost, I mean, 
you were pretty close. One of the last cuts to make the Olympic team in 2000, right? I was. Um, yeah. What, what was that? Triano cut me. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you remember it or anything. Nope, I don't. Well, um, what, what do you remember about that? I mean, how? I was, I remember, you know, I was one of the young, I was the youngest on the team. Um, you know, I, I roomed with Steve Nash for a while. Yeah. Um, and you know, during the summers, learned a ton from him. Learned a ton from him. He was a relentless worker. Obviously, an amazing player. Um, but his work ethic, I talked about the transition from high school to college in terms of work ethic and then meeting Nash my, the summer of my junior year, going into my senior year, the work ethic that he displayed was on a totally different level. Even I didn't close, even right? know it could even get any harder. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember after practice, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and we, you know, we're, we're going probably two and a half, three hour practices, um, in the summer, getting prepared for the world championships or qualifying for the world championships. And, um, he, uh, he would always say, Roman, you want to stay back and shoot? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm you done. don't tell Steve Nash no. You don't tell, you don't tell Steve Nash no. You, of course. And <laughs> mentally you're like, man, I'm done. I just want to go and shower and take yeah. a nap. And, we would shoot and do 500 makes or 300 makes or different. All Every day was practice. different. All after practice. And then he's a guy that would go and run two miles. You want to go run two miles? What? Like, what are you talking about? And he's, <laughs> he didn't want to lose suicide drills. He never wanted to lose beep tests. Like, he was just, we would play one-on-one -on -one before practice started. You know, I would beat him sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, it would be like best of seven series. And I would, ne I would never win a best of seven series. Yeah. But I would get him in, a, you know, a couple games. But it was just his work ethic and just watching him and how he carried himself and knowing that he was a millionaire, but he was still coming out and the hardest worker, bar none. Rooming and, and working with a Bradley guy. I mean, a guy who's a junior or senior at Bradley. Exactly. I mean. Exactly. And I, was, I think I was the only college guy on the team at the time. Um and then we went, we had a um, pre-Olympic tournament in Australia. Uh, we played China and uh, I think New Zealand. And I think that's when I got, they were moving, I think they were going, I don't remember, I think they might have been flying to China, I don't remember exactly. And Coach Triano called me down, it was like early morning. Got to knock on the door, it, uh -oh. it might have been like 6 a.m. Got to knock on the door and my, my roommate Sean Swords, I actually, Sean and I played against each other in France, but he, uh, he's like, who the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know. And I got up and I opened the door and it was like, I think it was one of the team managers, like, hey, Rome, coach wants to see you downstairs. So you knew by the way I he knew, was saying it. <laughs> I knew that. I knew. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. That's when you learned the importance of team managers having a better poker face. Exactly. They exactly. pretty much let you know. So yeah, he let, he let me know him, uh, me and another guy on the team, Keith Vassell. Uh, we both were the last two cuts, so we was we were traveling around with 14 for I believe it was 14 for a long time, and he cut it down to 12. Um, but yeah, that was that was tough. Yeah. That was a tough, tough, tough. But it didn't end your your national team participation. I mean, you no. The following year, I got made the team um, for the world I, games. The world qualifying for the world games ended okay. up starting, and we ended up finishing third. To qualify for the for the World Games, we yeah. played Argentina, Ginobili and them guys. I mean, it was yeah, yeah. This was the summer, I think. Believe 
Ginobili was going into the Spurs to be a rookie. Okay. So he wasn't in the NBA. He so was we're like talking a, 01, 02, 01. Yeah, around there. He was an Italian, like, MVP or something yeah. like that. And I remember Coach Triano saying, you know, Rome, you got Manu Ginobili. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know who he was. We were watching games from, well, he looks pretty good, you know. You, you get to you defend it. You get I the get matchup. the Yeah, I, I get the matchup for Manuel Ginobili, and I'm just like, okay, whatever, I don't care. You know, yeah. I didn't know who the kid was. Yeah. Not the kid, but, you know, I didn't know who he was, whatever, you know. Well, he's your age. Yeah. In NBA world, I mean, he's considered an old man, but he's, I mean, yeah. how old is he? He might be like 40, maybe, yeah. 41. He's got to be at, at yeah. most like a year or two older than you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. And, I mean, that was the hardest person to defend in yeah. my entire life. It was unbelievable the things he was doing, and I thought I had defense. Yeah. You know, and he was like, so I was like, why isn't this guy in the NBA? If this guy's a European player, man, goodness, good the NBA is. So then that that summer, I believe, is when he, he and he did he well, went, and he did really well. Had a great, amazing career. So he was an amazing player, very difficult to guard. I couldn't I couldn't stay in front of him. No one on our team could, so yeah. I didn't feel too bad. You have any idea what he ended up with that game? I don't. I think I have game film. At home on VHS somewhere though. I don't know how the quality is gonna look. But. All right, sometime this year you're gonna have to have like a shooting contest after practice or something with one of the players. And if you lose, you got to show them Ginobili just <laughs> or something like that. That could Deal. be the, that could be the payoff. Deal. Um, so but but Ginobili um is a guy then that you watch in the NBA for the next two decades basically. Basically, yeah. Um, are you a fan now? I mean, does it? I'm always. I was a fan after that game. Yeah, from, from that game on. <laughs> yeah, huh? that game on, I was a fan. When I heard he went to NBA, I didn't feel so bad. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, good. Yeah. For a while there, were you telling people like, yeah, I guarded him. But so buddies, yeah. yeah, my buddies. They actually knew. Okay, they actually because I, you know, I went back like, man, they asked me how it was. I'm like, it was pretty good, man. I guard this guy. I didn't even remember his name. I so, think I was butchering it. What, what did you guys beat them? No, they beat us, and then we played. I want to say Puerto Rico. We played them in the semifinals. Oh, okay, so you said you guys got third, right? We got third. Okay, so then Argentina that was third, won the tournament. Get to the medal game. So we qualified for the World Games the following year. Okay. Um, I don't remember where the World Games was, but yeah, no, it was a great experience. When did you get into uh, coaching? How old were you when you decided the pro career was done and it was time to get into coaching? 2012. Okay. 2012, so. What, what did it start? Uh, Eastern Michigan. All right. Eastern and Michigan. How yeah. did that come about? So I was just, I was finishing my career up at, um, in France and I started dabbling with some, uh, I did like sports agent okay. for three years, just dealing with European, European, um, sure. low level countries and, you know, Austria and Switzerland, mid 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 to low level countries. Um, and then when that started getting a little taxing in terms of not getting paid for agent fees and all that stuff, I said, okay, I got to find something else to do. So yeah. reached out to my buddy, um, my buddy Mike George was an agent, and he was he wasn't an agent at the time; he was an AAU coach. Okay. Um, so he was he was Anthony Bennett's coach. He was. Um, Andrew Wiggins coach. Did he start the CIA bounce? He started CIA bounce. All right. Yeah. I knew yeah. the name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't putting it together when you were saying it earlier. Yeah, he started. So, you know, I knew through his dealings, he knew every coach. Okay. Oh, yeah. Know? So I hit him up and said, yeah, I didn't try to get in. So he, he contacted Rob Murphy at Eastern All Michigan. Right. And Rob, you know, got me into the program. What did you know? start as? 
I was a life skills coordinator. A life skills coordinator. Yeah, what does that I mean? Created, but it, I did a lot of the stuff like the Dobo, sure. you know, director of operations did, and you know, travel and and um, organizing food. And Basically, gym. one of those catch-all titles. That exactly. Just means you're on the staff. I'm what needs to get staff. done? Get done. Exactly. Basically, and then the following year, our video coordinator left. I believe he went to Marquette, uh, and he asked me if I wanted to be the video guy. And I had no clue how to do any of it, but he asked me, you know, I want to say March, April. So I knew I had a ton of time to learn it. And I was like, yeah, I'm all over it. Yeah. So he, he gave me the position and okay. saw the video guy and then got to Bonaventure from there. Yeah. And Bonaventure is your first gig as an assistant coach. Correct. That's when you get to get out and start recruiting. Um, 2014, I believe. What's the, uh, what's that jump for people that don't quite understand that there is a jump once you actually get the title of assistant coach what, what's the big change and what was the the big jump for you work-wise obviously the workload was you know it's a lot more demanding yeah. um obviously the pressure is you know it falls on your shoulders a lot yeah. more now you're doing um scouting and you're and you're, and you're recruiting and, and it's just a totally different ball game you're on the court you know you're able to coach you're able to you know put guys through drills. Um, you better have some results now. I mean, results are a lot more dependent on you at this point. For, for sure, for sure. But, um, you know, I was always confident in my uh, my skill development, okay. you know, just through my career and the guys I've played with throughout my career and the drills that we've done to get better, whether it's the guys in Europe or the guys on the national team. I had, a, you know, I had a, a, a bag of just you know, drills sure. and individual stuff to get guys better that I was confident in that direction. I just needed guidance on the other side, the X's and O's yeah. and the and the team management and everything else that goes into running a basketball program. I was really new to because there's just, and I'm still learning. Yeah. There's just so much that goes into the daily function of, you know, running a basketball program. It's sometimes not just it's not sometimes, about basketball it's, at all. sometimes it has nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean, and just so that's that's what I'm still learning. Um, you come from, you come here to, to Albuquerque from St. Bonaventure. You actually see the Bonnies in that tournament last year. Yes, um, I was dreading playing having to play them. Yeah, I was dreading. They were a pretty them. good team last year. Right? They were. You, they you were. left a good team. I left a good team. Um, for a program I, that wasn't, when you got here, this program was not as good as the team you left. Yeah, it was difficult because uh, I worked for a really, really good guy, Mark Schmidt. Um, X's and O's, genius. You know, he really knows his basketball. Um, How often do you still talk with him? We talk like, I see him on the road all the time. Yeah. When we, when, you know, just this whole July, I saw him probably every week, and we yeah. sit down and we just talk while we're watching games. Yeah. So we talk and we talk, talk with his wife. My wife talks to his wife constantly too. So we remain close and the assistant coaches I'm still really close with over there. One of my good buddies. So, you know, we remain friends. Um, but he, he, you know, he worked for Skip Prosser and, um, uh, Xavier. Uh, so he, he's just, he's, You're indirectly part of the Skip Prosser tree a little bit. A little tutelage. I'm, I'm like, I'm on part of the tree. I'm low down. Yeah. But I, I got a little bit. I got a little bit of the dust. Uh, in me. How much of what you do day to day here is what you learned with the Bonnies? A lot, a lot. Yeah. You know, a lot of the drills, a lot of the um, 
you know, the the the, techn- the teachings, you know, that I, uh, I talked to the guys about. Um, you know, I was there for three years, and it was my first three years of being an assistant coach. Yeah. So, you know, I'm gonna bring a lot of that, you know, with me. And Paul's open about, you know, when we're in the meetings, what did uh, Majerus do? You know, yeah. what did what did Schmidt do in this situation? What did Majerus do in this situation? So he's, you know, what did uh, Marvin do last year at UNLV in this situation? So he's yeah. open to taking suggestions and open to getting new ideas from you know, really good coaches. You know, he's not one of those guys that we're going to do it my way. He's open to hear what, what we did in this situation and that situation. So, Well, how did he approach you? Um, for those that don't know, um, there was some, I guess, flirting with UNM a year prior. You, you two, Yeah, two, yeah, two, oh, two, two years, years prior? prior. I believe it was two years okay. prior. Yeah. Okay, so two years before you got here, there yeah. was a possibility you were going to be here then. Yes. Um, didn't happen. Right. Um, when did you and Paul kind of when did that happen? When did you guys? When did so you we, you know, we were talking and we see each other on the road, and like I said, we had a lot of mutual friends. So we started getting closer throughout this. The once I got into business, yeah. So we would so talk. So the same Bonaventure years, pretty much, or same Bonaventure even, before, even that. before that. Okay, even before that, because um, he was the only Canadian really doing yeah. it. You know what I mean? So it's you like you gotta stick together. You gotta stick together. It's yeah. like my Paul. You know, Paul's gonna be a head coach one day. You gotta stick yeah. together. You guys get together. Um, and You guys get to speak Canadian instead of all this <laughs> American. Yeah, talk. all this American talk. So we uh, actually, Paul offered me when he when Marvin took UNLV. Yeah. Marvin flew me down for an interview uh, at UNLV. Yeah. And I didn't I get it. Flew me down. I didn't get the job. Yeah. Paul offered me the New Mexico State assistant position, um, and I turned it down because I knew Bonaventure had a good team, and I didn't I didn't know if I wanted to leave the A10 to go to the WAC. Yeah. I obviously couldn't predict that Paul's going to have the year that they had in. 28 wins. Yeah. They had an amazing, amazing run. Yeah. Um, but it was just difficult. No, I mean, they, they lost for the first time in 20 years an NBA first round draft pick. Right. You know, they just lost Pascal Siakam. They went to Toronto. Toronto, yeah. Um, that they, they weren't supposed to be that good. Right. You know, he was taking over a team that most would have on paper saw as maybe a step back. You couldn't mm-hmm. have predicted that they yeah. did what they did. It was hard. And it's like, okay. I almost took the job in New Mexico um, the year prior. Okay. Um, and then now I go down to UNLV, and I, I started to feel a little bad of just like every year I'm trying to get out of Bonaventure when I work for a really good guy. And I knew we had a really good team coming back, so I said, you know what, well, we have a chance to do something. And we did. We had a really, really good run. Yeah. You know, we had a really good run. I thought we were going to make the tournament. Thought we got snubbed. Snubbed the book, right? Thought we got snubbed. Uh, yeah, exactly. I still have a I So for those that don't know, I borrowed a book like I don't know how many months ago now, and I still <laughs> not read it. And it's sitting. It's funny you mentioned it, because, or I mentioned I brought it up, but like it's sitting right on my desk. I saw it today. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I still haven't read that damn book. Yeah. But I want to. Yeah. It's no, about it, that team, about that year, right? It's about that year. It's about that year when we got snubbed, and um, you know, we finished first in the A10 in regular season. Yeah. Um. And I guess we were the first team in the A10 to finish first and not go to the tournament. Yeah. RPI was it was crazy. It was like 26 or whatever it was. So and for all you like sports trivia guys, like St. Bonaventure's like the answer to a lot of those questions. Like yeah. the, the the team that was highest and whatever. 
that didn't make the tournament. Yeah. Like that was that team. That was that team. It was a really good team, and I thought we could have did some damage. But long story short, they ended up making it the following year, and yeah. I knew who was coming back, yeah. what they had coming back, and I knew that. Let's looking at the league. Our you know, Dayton was going to be different. Archie leaving. VCU was going to be different. Um, so, like, two of those powerhouse teams that were always in our way were going to be different. I know St. Joe's had some injuries, so they were going to be down. Yeah. Um, so it was, like, really a perfect time to stay. But I just thought the opportunity to come to the Lobos and, and you know, play for Paul and play in the pit and play in the Mountain West, was it was the right time to go. A year later, any regrets? No. Any not surprises? I'm surprised how well we finished. Yeah. You know, looking at our roster to start, you know, the first half of the season. Looking at your record at three and eight. Three and eight. I'm like, you know, it's not going to be a good one, fellas. Yeah. What's going through your mind when you're three and eight? Basically, just how how can we right this ship? Like, what? And in your mind, when you say that, though, like, do you are you thinking right the ship? Like, how do we just you know? get close to 500 or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Are you thinking that? Or are you thinking, how do we write the ship and make a run to the Mountain West tournament? Yeah, no, we're game? not thinking. Well, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. It's more, a lot of it was individual. Like, how can we get this guy better? How can we get this guy better? How can we get this guy better? Because if they get better, we'll be better. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's what we're like, These, this guy needs to get better. He's not doing this. He needs to be doing this. This guy's not doing this. And we met like crazy on just guys and positions and moving things around and and but we're going to stick you know Paul's going to stick true to the you know the press sure. and and how we play and sending guys weak and everybody so talks to, to abandon ship on that never no no we, we have talks about tweaking certain things but never abandon the, the philosophy of the, who we the press the, yeah yeah never. I know run and stun is maybe a little specific as to what well there's there certain like the run and jump stuff certain teams okay yeah. let's let's not do it on them they you know sure. they're blowing it up or they might blow it up but the overall philosophy of who we are we never really talked about ending it at all um, so it's a you know a, a lot of the, Na- the Canadian national league team does it. Okay. Yeah, you know, they don't press like that, but they send everybody weak hand. Yeah. So I was used to the whole the whole idea. Um and I saw it, you know, it worked it worked for them. You know, yeah. I saw the success rate. Now those guys are playing against pros. Yeah. So pros are able to handle going left a little better than eighteen year old kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the you know, the lower you go down, the more it's gonna work. You know what I mean? If we send my son's team left, you know, they're going to struggle. Sure. You know what I mean? So obviously at the pro level and the national team level, these guys are in the NBA. They're in the top leagues in Europe. It's not going to work as well, but it still works. What about, I guess, the next question then I asked when you're three and eight, what's going through your mind? At what point did you realize, wow, that this did turn around? You're so caught up in the moment, I think, as you don't even – really realize until you're like looking but like okay we can make 500 yeah 500 is a feasible like you start looking at who's next i know you, know you don't I mean? talk to them i was gonna say we were, but. i was gonna say you don't talk to the players about this so much but you you we're in your office right now yeah you're alone in your office you pull up standings every now and then right you, you look at stuff like that because you're scouting the league you want to exactly. know what everyone's doing you knew 
where you were. And when, at what point of the season do you think you started looking at that like, wow, maybe we can kind of move up to that spot? I think for me it was after probably Wyoming. Yeah? The Wyoming game. Where you guys scored like, what was it, like 200 points or whatever it was? The No, the, the one the one here. Oh, the one here, okay. The one here, so earlier. Um, so that was so we, the one that Justin James went off on you guys, but you guys still won. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. He, went, he went berserk like 32 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But we weren't really supposed to beat him. Right. You know what I mean? It was supposed to be a... That was know. really the first one that was, I think, I think every win prior to that, um, while you'll take every win you can get, yeah. and you're not looking past any point or whatever, the way everything had played played out to that point, it was sort of, okay, that should have happened, or yeah, you exactly. understood why that happened. The Wyoming one um, was the first one that... I think you, that's, in my mind, that's when it was like, okay, you know... Definitely you know, not the 3-8 and eight team anymore. No, we were different, and then we, you know... We played Fresno, and we had our chances. You know, it was a good game. We had our chances. We were right there. We were like, okay, we're not that bad. And then, obviously, we go to UNLV, and we have a spectacular finish. Um, and I think that's, you know, San Diego State comes. And uh, <laughs> San Diego State comes, and you know what happened then. I think that's when all the guys started believing. Uh, and belief Man, it's it's a serious it's a serious thing, man. It's you contagious. Know? It's contagious. It's powerful. You know, it can do things to guys. It can just get like guys the reverse, the though. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't take it, absolutely like one guy in the locker room believing probably is harder to catch on than right. one guy bringing everything down. Okay, yeah, sometimes. exactly, exactly, exactly. I have a coach, uh, one of my mentors um, from uh, Eastern, and uh, Benny White okay. played at Michigan State. Um, he always says all it takes is one. You know, that's his whole thing yeah. in life. Whatever it is, negative, positive, all it takes is one. Start somewhere. Yeah, all it takes is one. Uh, let's go to the end of the season. You guys make the run you do at the end of the regular season and then into the tournament. Um, got sick at the tournament, right? Weren't you sick? I was just a, a little under the weather. What? No, it, was, it probably was... Uh, was it Mace? Mace. Mason? Mace had the back issue. Yeah, Mace had the yeah, but he had the back issue. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Mason always had some issues. <laughs> My guy, who I, I went to school with. Um, I, for some reason, I thought you guys got sick at the tournament or something. No, I didn't. Okay. No. I'm 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 forgetting or I'm misremembering. But you guys worked that whole time though. You guys weren't exactly uh, you know, getting good night's sleep or anything. No, no, we stayed up. Um, shoot, the whole staff stayed up for hours. Uh, just preparing because he didn't know who we were going to play but it just happened that all three scouts were mine at the end yeah maybe that i don't know know why i would think sick but maybe that's what i'm remembering is yeah so you had so much work to do because you had all three and and for those that don't know um for anyone might be listening doesn't understand like throughout the season you guys know who the conference teams are so every assistant coach gets assigned before the season correct like how many teams did you have in the mountain west um maybe four and that's just like even in the non-conference, you, you kind of pay attention to them a little bit, and then once season you start watching a little more film. But you're the primary go-to. Tell me what this team does. Basically, yeah, it's, it's your team. You're you're you have to know the in and outs and the you know the player personnel in and out, their go-to moves, what they like to run, right. what they like to run at the end of the clock. You know their game-winning plays, or you know their side, the sideline out of bounds. And plays, yours obviously BOBs. included San Diego State, Utah State, Wyoming. 
Wyoming, exactly. Um, and I had Nevada too, so. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you were going to get it even if Nevada, San Diego, exactly. San Diego, San Diego, I was going to get it double, so. How did you get stuck with that? It just it just fell like that. Yeah. But boys, I mean, going into the season, nobody would have known. No one knows exactly. You don't know where you're gonna land. Um, and then Boise losing made me have to work on Utah State even harder. Yeah, because I would not. You know, I think Harry sure. Harry would have had. But you know, they pull it out. So I'm like, damn, okay, I got I got this one. And then I knew. Nevada or San Diego State, I was going to have. That was probably the biggest surprise of the tournament was Utah State beating Boise State of yeah. that tournament. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy that run? I did, but and it because, was so... Because you're working so much. It was, yeah, it's it's hard to really enjoy it when you're so entrenched in it and it's just nerve-wracking and like yeah. a little bit of pressure. But you're just so involved in it that it's it's really hard to enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just... Every day is like you just focus on, you know, your scout and, and, and what are they going to do? Did I go over everything? Did I miss anything? It's like, you win. It's like, yeah, it's fun. But then as soon as you leave that gymnasium, it's like you're back on the next scout. How did you take the loss to San Diego State as a coach as opposed to maybe some of the tough losses as a player? It was probably the hardest loss. Probably the hardest loss of my life, I yeah? think. Yeah. All yeah, right. I shed I shed some tears that night. Yeah, yeah I shed some tears that night. I, I'm not even a crier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know the last time I cried. Besides that, I, I shed some tears. Why? Um, I mean, what, what's that born from? Obviously, disappointment and a loss. But if you, I, if you're not a crier, it means something. There's I, something else to it. Probably. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because of all the hours that I put into the to the. Um, the three scouts yeah. and I knew them and the fatigue maybe that was that was part yeah. of it and just know how much you know how much time that was put in and how much work and you just wanted it to you wanted to see it through fruition you know what I mean just you just had a special thing win. going there at the end yeah yeah and it's just and I think to be so close made it even harder yeah. if we were to get blown out by 20 yeah. and it was like we lost from we knew it. it yeah. I think the loss would have been. You guys were up with seven minutes ago. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it would have been a little easier to 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 grasp or deal with. I think some people last year wanted you guys to play in any tournament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, NCAA would have been the goal. NIT, you guys would have accepted, but it probably was best to go ahead and end it there, though. I um, think so. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, but yeah. I think Could so. you have imagined having to then turn around after that tournament and, and prepared for some random team three days yeah, later? The CBI or yeah. something like that. It would have been tough. Yeah. It would have been tough because just to be so close to what everyone works towards and then to get it like, not really taken away, but, you know, yeah. taken away from you and uh, to go to, it would have been it would have been hard to get the guys even to just, Let's get up for it. You second guessed yourself after something like that. I don't think. Well, you know, I guess you second guess some of the situations that could have went differently, some of the subs or something like that. And th- well, let's be clear. I mean, this is we're talking about a loss where Trey Kale kind of goes off. Yeah. You guys actually probably did what you wanted. He, he was hitting shots five feet beyond the arc a lot right. of times. Um, Jalen McDaniels is a, is a special player, and you he know, was it was a really around. good basketball team. It was by we, that we point didn't in lose the to some. Chumps, man. They're yeah. a really good basketball team, basketball program, and you know they came to play. I thought yeah. we came to play. I thought we did some things down the stretch that you know weren't 
weren't part of our our teachings. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I watched that game maybe maybe about five or six times. Um, makes me sick. But I mean, you watch it and you learn from certain things. But there were certain things down the stretch where, why is he doing this or yeah. why is he doing that? We don't do this or we don't. You know what I mean? Um, and I think. And it could have been a total package, but I think a lot of some of the guys realized how close they were to something yeah. special and probably got lost focus and, and started, you know what I mean? Sure. It could have been, but it's, you know, obviously we did some stuff, you know, as coaches that probably we shouldn't have done. I know um, sure, it was, I made some subs. I made some subs that... You know, at times I probably shouldn't have made those subs or, you know what I mean? So we, we talk about, Mason and I talk about some of the subs that we probably shouldn't have made. And You going to uh, watch that film again? I don't know. At some point it's got to be retired. But yeah, like, you don't I don't know. know. If you're there yet? Yeah, I don't, I'm not there yet, too. I think I might have put it to rest. Yeah? I might have put it to rest. It's a new year, new team, new season. So helping one get through moments like that, obviously you have your support system around you here with assistant coaches and friends and stuff like that um but you how much of that do you bring home and and talk with and, and i'm trying to transition a little bit to family life um to, to wife and kids like how do they handle a loss like that around you do they let you be do you want them to let you be or do you want them to come the kids jump on i like when and, the kids they really don't care yeah you know when my son does he's a ball boy yeah. and he he gets emotional. How old's your son? To t- tell me your kids' names and uh, their ages. Anaya Robinson. She's 12. Okay. My son, uh, I have two boys, Laris Robinson. Obviously, he's uh, 10. And then Corn. Um, he's five, turning six in right. September. So he doesn't, you know, he's all lucky, happy go lucky. Right. He doesn't. And my, but my son, he gets emotional. My daughter, she's more concerned for me. Like, hey, are you yeah. okay? If I say I'm okay, she's just good. Yeah. But my son, he takes it because he feels like he's part of the team. You know what I mean? He he takes it. He always took took it hard. Even yeah. he was a ball boy at Bonaventure. Okay. And you know, I see him on. I think we lost a buzzer beater to to um, I think it was VCU. And uh, you know, he's on like ESPN crying. You know what I mean? He takes yeah. it. He takes it. And my daughter, you know, it's like she doesn't care. Yeah. If you're good, you're yeah. she's good. And my wife, you know, she'll she'll let me be. What's your wife's name? Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah, Beth. We call her Beth. Um, she'll let me be because she knows how I am uh, after losses. Yeah. For the most part. You guys are making Brandon nervous, man. You gotta keep going. You know <laughs> we're, we're 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 getting close here. <laughs> um. So she lets you be. The kids have their way of doing it, but yeah. But I, I enjoy them to be who they are after a loss because it just makes me. Almost go to a different place where it's, it's, you know, it's a lot more than, there's more out there than, you know, wins and losses almost. It's like, okay, you know. Look, in my mind, I mean, kids aren't for everybody. Some people, you know, are are different with children and and this or that. But, like, in my life, there's been nothing better about having a daughter than the, the way it, like, reminds me. That what I'm doing isn't nearly as important as I think it is. Sometimes. Right, exactly, exactly, and and it's she funny doesn't care about it because college basketball is it's the the people that are in it. It's like the most important well, thing in the world. And why wouldn't you? I mean, it's a, it's a structure set up where there are fans right. that pay money to come see Absolutely. you and root you on a, you and know, build you up to be a billion this great dollar thing. business. Yeah, only a few 
coaches are doing or a few people are doing what we're doing in yeah. the world. And so I get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's so many other occupations that don't even think like how no, we think. You know what I mean? No. And why why is our occupation so much more important than theirs? Yeah, this might be your world, but it isn't the entire it, it, world. It isn't exactly, exactly. So when you go home and you, it's like, okay, you know, this is another world right yeah. here that, that needs a lot, a lot of a lot of attention. Yeah. Maybe even more. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. So, so and. I imagine they take after you some. I don't know. Was the wife uh, an athlete too? She was an athlete all through high school, middle school and high school, and then she stopped. Yeah, she was a volleyball player. All right. For those that don't know, though, um, you got you got some budding like stars in the in the family. You got some athletes coming up. Possibly. Um, tell me tell me about a little bit about um what your your two older kids at least did yeah. this summer with uh, with track and I know your soccer. daughter does soccer too, right? Yeah. Or did they both do soccer? No, just my daughter. All right. Yeah. My pretty good, pretty huh? Good. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. She just got back from California. I mean, this isn't just dad bragging now. Though. I mean, no, no. She's, um, they're the number one team in New Mexico for her age group. It just went down to Surf Cup, which is a, it's a nationally ranked. Is she the two of the big clubs here? What, what club is she in? Is she Rio Rapids? She's with Rio Rapids. Okay. Rio Rapids. Um, and they just made the, they lost in the finals at Surf Cup, which All is right. a nationally ranked tournament, but they're 20th. In the country or in North America. I know you said earlier. Remind me how old she is again. Twelve. She's twelve. Okay. She's twelve. She plays up a year, so she plays on the U14. Team. All right. Um, she just made the ODP Olympic Development Program team. Um, they're they're coming up to their final cut, so hopefully she makes the final cut. But um, she's yeah, she's a player. Six a.m. knock on the door. <laughs> That's gonna affect yeah, you more than it affects her. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I'll probably cry like I did. Uh, <laughs> At the uh, San Diego State game, if she gets that. Uh, yeah. And what about track? Track, they're both really good uh, track runners. So my, um, they both went to nationals. Yeah. They, you know, they did well in regionals in Colorado, and they both went to nationals in uh, in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. And did pretty well. Did pretty well. So my son in regionals, he's he was a number one hundred meter runner. He got the gold medal in the 100 and he got the silver in the 200 and the 400 and my daughter got second in the 200 and third in the 100 and third in the 400 so that qualified them for nationals so right now my daughter's 10th fastest 12 year old in the country apparently in the 400 uh-huh. um they didn't show as well as they would like in nationals, but there were some really fast and talented kids down there. But it was, you know, it's the Junior Olympics, so yeah. it's the best of the best. But the times they're running at the age they're running is, is really, really good. Better athletes than dad? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. They're on their so. way, they, huh? they, they look it now. <laughs> they do look it now. So I hope so. I hope they just continue right, just so like you, and you, watching them. Well, you do the photo thing. You got the, you I know, do. It's a hobby. Well, it's a hobby, but does it also does it help you in how you watch them? I mean, it gives you something to. It it does. It it calms me down actually. Yeah. I'm a you know when my daughter's slacking off in soccer, I think she's slacking off, and I don't have the camera. Yeah. I'm telling her. Yeah. You know, and I'm getting on her on the sideline. Yeah. I'm one of those parents that you know. But when I have the cameras, she makes sure I don't leave that camera. Because when I have the camera, I'm you probably never talk. I don't say a word. Yeah. I either I'm recording, so I don't want my voice on it, or. Yeah. I'm just so focused on taking pictures that I don't say a word. And very similar in track. Track is, you know, 
I miss a lot of the real intimate part of the running when I'm taking photographs, but I think at the end of the day, the results of the photos. I've know, seen some uh, of them. They're good. Yeah. You're good. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're good. How long have you been doing it? <sighs> I had my Nikon for about maybe a decade. My dad gave me a Nikon. He was a Canon guy and he had, okay. he had a Nikon. He's like, I don't it's want weird. this Nikon. My wife's a photographer. She, like, yeah. for those that don't know, it's Nikon <laughs> or Canon. Yeah. You, you, you pick a team. Yes. So my all my family, they have Cannons, and I'm the only one that... And it's basically because Dad had one he didn't really want? He didn't want it. He had <laughs> two Cannons, and he's like, I don't want this Nikon. I was like, I'll take it. Oh, the other way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I took the Nikon, um, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And I just, you know, I started doing things and going to, you know, friends' weddings. Yeah. And you shot some my, weddings and stuff? Yeah, I shot some weddings, and, you know, they loved them. You know, and I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I could do something with this. So it's, 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 a, it's a nice hobby that I have that I like a lot to of work bring there. It is. Sometimes people think shooting, a, like, don't understand how much work it is to it shoot is. a wedding. It is. Uh, it there's is, some pressure. Uh, there and is. It's not like pressure. Like but I was never turn. the main photographer. Oh, I was always, like, that side photographer yeah. where I would, you know, steal the real photographer's shots. Yeah. Oh, I like that pose. I mean, I stand behind and steal it. Yeah. But I was never the, the main guy getting Could you? I think I could. Okay. I think I could. I think I got a, a knack for it. I got some ideas. We'll see uh, how this season goes. We'll see if you need to fall back on the, exactly, on the photo gig. Exactly. Well, let's, let's do that. Let's wrap up by looking ahead here a little bit about this season. You guys got here um, kind of a big roster turnover again. Yeah. Um, which isn't ideal to have that kind of roster turnover every year, but you guys got some good pieces coming in too, though. Um, yeah. I want to start with the two the two seniors on this team are Dane and Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um they, you worked a lot after practice with them too. I, I've seen through you know, last year. What can you tell me a little bit about Dane and Anthony? The first thing I would say is you know what you're going to get from those guys yeah. every day. You know, every game, every day, whether, you know, you're judging on, on, on what they can do or not do, they're going to give you everything every day. You uh-huh. know what I mean? It's, it's certain guys you just really don't know what, what you're going to get. What am I going to get from this guy today? Yeah. You know they're going to work. And you talk team. more in terms of like effort and effort. And it's it's not like if the shots fall or not. Right, exactly. It's just effort. Right? Yeah. You know they're going to bust their tail every single day. Yeah. Um, you know Dane is going to be a great defender almost every single game. He's going to work his tail off defensively every single game. Um, Tone comes in the game now. He's just so confident, and you know, you know he's going to bring that confidence with him, and he's a really good team teammate they're both great teammates and you know you you know what you're going to get with those guys and it's going to be tough when they when they leave to replace to replace kids like that because they're really good people you know what i mean it's hard to find genuinely good people they're great teammates and they're great humans you guys also have some transfers coming in um some some guys that come with some some history of being the man at their you know high school level and just you got some guys coming in with some reputations as, and some expectations now mm-hmm. of coming in and just being these superstars. Um, how important is it for, for the Danes and Anthonys that have been here for four years now to sort of kind of, I don't want to say keep them in check, but but to still be a very big part of this team and not forget that these are the guys that have, seen right. that have been here. Right. <laughs> we, we talk about this a lot. I, I, I really do think that, the truth is always going to reveal itself, and, and okay. those guys are not going to get lost in the shuffle because they they know the system, they know how to hoop, uh, 
they're they're really good players. It's really easy for fans to get caught up in the in the new shiny thing, which yeah, is like the sure. name of this transfer. Sure. Or something. We can't forget guys like McQuatch, who's getting better every <laughs> day. I mean, he's gotten stronger. I we all think he's getting more athletic, yeah. um, which is crazy because he's already a pretty good athlete. But he's I was getting, talking to Paul about him a little bit. He didn't have the greatest beginning to the summer, especially. No, and then when he came back, he started maybe kind of clicking yeah, a little bit more. Exactly. I think he he. Mentally, he's a freshman. I think it mentally could have been just drained and needed that break, and they all needed that break. We went, we went hard, we went hard. Um, but now he's getting his mojo back, and he's, you know, he's working hard, and he's working on the things he needs to work on, and his confidence is 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 rising. So, you know, the the, the old guys or the guys returning, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna just lay over and let right. them, you know. It's, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, but um. It's going to be interesting, but that's what you want. You want that yeah. com- competitive uh, fight and battle, and let the best man let the best man win. You guys, part of what made last year so special was a three and eight start played into it. Um, but you guys were three and eight. You guys weren't expected. You guys were picked ninth, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked you guys seventh, of course, two spots higher. Thanks. Still, I only picked you seventh. Yeah. It's not like I was giving you guys a whole lot of respect. Um, nobody expected much out of you guys this year. It's different. You guys are going to be picked either second or third by most media members in the Mountain West. Right. Um, Nevada's still the clear-cut number one, and, and should be, frankly. Yeah. Um, but you guys have expectations. How is it different to coach with expectations than to coach without them? I really do think, you know, there's going to be added pressure, but I think we put so much pressure on ourselves last year. Like, no one expected us to do what we did. Yeah. But we expected us to be better. I know it didn't, you know, show as a three and eight team, but we're still preparing and putting pressure on ourselves and meeting and talking. You know, I think we're going to be preparing the exact same way we did last year um, and having the same expectations. Paul, Paul's been winning for the past whatever years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he wasn't he did he wasn't taking losing. Yeah. You know. Lightly, yeah. you know, so he stopped we, eating and stuff like that. And, yeah, I don't know about all that, uh, but he, um, I know he's you talking, know, he's telling the press about how was he was, his suit wasn't fitting anymore, yeah. And stuff, so he started wearing the sweater. <laughs> okay, now that explains it. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's so, yeah, why. that's what he told us. He told I know, us I know he, he, had a de- he got a deal on a bunch of them and then he went crazy <laughs> on them. Um, it's turning into Larry Shia. He used to wear a sweater around the mountain west, yeah. The, uh, I guess he left before you got in the Mountain West. But Larry Shia used to wear a yellow sweater for Wyoming all the time. Yeah. No, I've and, seen it. Yeah. I've Paul, seen Paul it. was turning into that there by the end. Yeah. No, yeah, it was. It was It was definitely uh, an interesting outfit. But um, it fit him. Yeah. And it fit him. It was, you know, it was different, but it was, it, it worked. Um, it's funny. I, I mentioned, he mentioned in the press once that he'd lost some weight because he hadn't been eating. And uh, I put it in the store. had a like, quote or something in the story. And, uh. He said, like, over the next week, people had, like, brought over casseroles here and stuff. Like, there, there was a couple people that brought over food. Yeah. So he'd start eating. And it's like, it's not that I don't have food. Right. <laughs> like, that's not why I'm not eating. But yeah. Anyway. Lobo fans are funny, man. They're, it's a special group. Yeah, it is. It's a, but it's a great atmosphere. I mean, I, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed my first year, huh? you know, playing in the pit. You know, it's been a phenomenal experience. It's probably, you know, one of the obviously one of the best arenas I've ever played in. Or out and coached in, yeah. um, you know. But you know, there's there's going to be pressure next year to be well, you know, really good. You know, we got a lot of guys on paper that are supposed to do yeah. some things, um, and it's our job to get them there. You know, it's our job to get them. There. It's our job to 
help them play together as a, a cohesive unit. Um, you know, we gotta, we gotta juggle these, all these personalities yeah. and all these egos and, you know, make them know that, you know, it's, it's, it's all for one, one common goal. It's yeah. not about the points you're scoring and all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, buying into our system and, and, and getting to the, getting to the tournament. Well, as tough as last year was, it's probably gonna be even tougher now. Yes. It just keeps getting tougher, so. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate that. Good luck this year. Um, thanks for sharing, you know, your story. I know a lot of Lobo fans, they know B-Mace through the years. Harry's been here a little bit longer. The head coach, naturally, people get to know a little bit. I don't think people know you uh, all that well yet, and they're, yeah. they uh, they need to need to learn a little bit about uh, about your story, and I'm, I'm glad you shared it with us, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. And there you go. Good long conversation with UNM basketball assistant coach Jerome Robinson. I certainly appreciate Jerome for taking the time to to share his story with us. Tell us a little bit about the, the Steve Nash, those Mono Ginobili connections, and uh, the uh, the past season, his role with the team, and the future with the team a little bit. So had a good time with that one. Hope you did too. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at any time, at Jeff Grammer. You can hit me on my email at any time. That's Jeff Grammer. I'm sorry, that's G-G-R-A-M-M-E-R, so Grammer at abqjournal.com. And uh, give us feedback. We'll, we're always taking feedback. We like hearing uh, what you think. Always give us those uh, those wonderful reviews and five-star ratings on iTunes. That helps us helps push our, our uh, podcast up the rankings a little bit. And uh, the, the feedback we've been getting so far is great. The numbers have been great. A lot of you are listening, and I appreciate that. So hopefully we will keep this going all the way through the season. And uh, give me some ideas. What do you want to hear from next? What are some uh, some guests that you guys would like to hear? Not always going to be Lobo basketball, but primarily will be. I'm hoping to get some uh, some of the coaches from around the Mountain West Conference on the podcast soon as well. So we'll see how that goes. As it stands for now, appreciate the time. I'm glad you tuned in. Glad you uh, listened to this episode. There'll be another one coming in another week or so. Thanks again. Tune into abqjournal.com slash sports to cover all our sports coverage, not just Lobo basketball, but high school stuff, uh, Lobo football season starting this weekend, all that kind of good stuff too. So uh, keep keep following along on the journal's website. Keep following along, following along on social media. And as always, keep listening here to the Talking Grammar Podcast. Thanks a lot, guys.